You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Hello, and welcome to issue 557 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Vinarita. I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani. I'm the guest, Greg Rucka. Hey, Greg, how's it going? I'm okay. How are yeah, you guys? You, you've had a week. I have had a week. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to help you there. I'm just. I know. I have had a week. I'm trying to think about you know, like we have you on the show all the time, and it's wonderful. And I hear you on other shows, and. Um, and I'm you know, reasonably okay. It's not as good as here, though. Right, yeah. Just yeah. Mimi, uh, Mimi runs a close second. But, don't say that. Mimi kick our asses. All of us. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, both physically and in terms of how professionally she runs her show. Well, it, it, <laughs> she's also Mimi, which means like she is gracious as an angel in flight. So, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, I think what I meant was that you are, you are very passionate about many things. And the world is kind of Me? so much a dumpster fire right now that it's hard. But for the last week, yeah. uh, just from me kind of following or whatever, you have seemed genuinely happy, and it's actually kind of nice to see. Mm-hmm. How can you not? You know, how can I not be right now? It would I, take, I, that's what I, yeah, and it's, it just, would, it's nice. I mean, it, you know, I've got I've got some really thick cynicism walls, and they're not even. I'm not no because that's not true. I'm not cynical. Um, Let's just say the defenses are very, very uh, entrenched and much thicker than you would think. You were reasonably <laughs> jaded, I, I think. I, I you know, but, uh, and, but I've and, never thought of you as a cynic. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. You know, I don't think it. Like, I don't think I'm jaded. I think I'm realistic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I suppose yeah. proves the point. Right. But um, <laughs> only a jaded person would say that. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean. Something like I woke up, um, God, what was it, Saturday morning? And I had a text from, from Gina, right? Gina Prince Pythwood is the director of the movie. And literally the text said, Good morning, uh, writer of the number one movie in 79 countries, or something <laughs> like that. And it was like, and, and you go, Yeah, that's awesome. And then, of course, me being me, I immediately go, Of course. It's not like there's a whole lot else out right oh. now. I mean, you know, like, oh. 
you, you got to immediately be like, it is awesome. And I want to embrace it. And I am incredibly grateful. Uh, but the, the, the necessary reality check is an ongoing thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's great people are seeing it and it is really wonderful how people are responding um i i'm also well aware that we released into a market without a whole lot of competition well i mean you know sure but like don't discredit the work with that don't discredit what you and leandro have created and the whole cast and crew created i'm Um, i'm not i'm genuinely not Uh, i actually have a counterpoint to to this same. You also released it into a market where everything is available and everyone is seeking out comfort food in their entertainment. Yeah. And Old Guard is number one in 79 countries and it's brand new. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely take what you're saying, Cable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important. Look, we are benefiting from the moment. Uh, in both the best ways and, and also because of the worst things in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it is... <clears throat> sorry, I am being buzzed by a gnat or something. Oh, no, Greg is going into DTs. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and apparently getting emails at the same time. We need to hit Do Not Disturb. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we... We did release, I think it is, number one, just empirically, right? I think it's a good movie, okay? It I is, think it fun. is a good movie. It is and objectively a good movie. That, that's yeah. what I mean, right? <laughs> I think in as much as I have objectivity about it, it does what you want. You, you are entertained by it, and it gives you more. It's got, some, it's got some real heart. It gives you some things to think about. It comes at a moment where I think the the some of the core ideas are really resonant, mm-hmm. um, and it comes at a moment when the representation implicit in the movie and in the text is not only welcomed; it has been craved, mm-hmm. and 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 people are genuinely thirsty for it. I mean, they've really needed this nourishment. It is escapist fair at a time when we all want to escape. Yeah, um, so much so. And yet it's escapism is not a um, irresponsible one. The, the escapism in the end, and I've said this elsewhere, but I, I, I think it is apt. You know, the, the, in, in, in a moment of time where my decision to wear a face mask in public can save a life, not just in Portland, but in, you know, Colombia, right? We do not know the extent and ramifications of the decisions we make and the acts we make for good. The choices that we make, however big or small, have impact. Yeah. And if we only make good choices expecting to see the results of those choices, then aside from, again, to use the, the good place sort of seeking moral dessert definition, it's fallacious. You're never going to get it. We have to move through the world 
and treat people and interact with one another, not knowing the benefits. We need to be good because it is right to do. For the sake of good, not because of the the moral reward. Exactly. Not because we're going to get something at the end of the day. And the act of doing that is an act of supreme faith. You know, it is, it is a belief that yes, what you do every day matters and will matter in lives you will never encounter and in ways you will never see, but it does matter. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that at the end of the film in particular, um, that is beautifully evidenced and, you know, all other things being equal about the movie, carrying that forward and carrying that forward in a film that is as inclusive as this movie is, is certainly saying something to everybody in the world. I mean, this is the way we, we can be. Um, and also acknowledging it's not easy at times. And right now is one of those times when it sure as hell ain't easy. So, right. and Yeah, and that reminds me, like, one of my favorite, I mean, that movie, this movie has a lot of lines that have stuck with me. <clears throat> and I'm sure we'll get to the armored card scene sometime in the show tonight. Um, but there's that part. What scene uh, are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a part where she asks, uh, is it, uh, she asks Nikki, you know, are you good guys or bad guys? Yeah. No, you, no not yeah. And, and he she, says, she, she asks the tale, are you good guys or bad guys? And Joe says, depends on the century. Right. And, and and I like that they also acknowledge, I mean, there's some, you know, other things there, but I also like it. I feel like in that line, they acknowledge it like at the time, mm-hmm. it was the choice that I felt was right. We um, hit an and, interesting, then I, and then history sorry. will decide. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, we, we hit an interesting thing. You know, when you hit the credits, um, I learned a new term. <clears throat> they're, they're called the, the, before the mains is that sequence that you get when the movie ends and you are, the camera is moving along the sociogram and you're getting all the close-ups. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's a little, you guys may know this, uh, some may not. A, a lot of the sociogram was practical. It was on set and there were pieces on it. But a lot of the sociogram was also VFX. There were squares that were uh, done in like gray or on, in green. And so digital assets could be dropped in, right? And when they were prepare, preparing the, the before the mains, uh, after the film had locked, Gina, you know, kept coming back to me and saying, so we're looking at these and can you take a look at what we put together? And can you give us some ideas of historical moments and so on? And one of the things I'm proud of is that we, you know, we were really good about our research. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a detail that I only found out yesterday from a friend of mine, for instance, that when, when this is jumping ahead to the armored car, actually I'll hold it until then remind me. But um, <clears throat> one of the problems was they were like, well, what sort of conf- what were the conflicts they could have been involved in? And you know, my, and, and there's always a push when they ask that to be like, they want to be on the right side. And it's like, guys, there are wars. There are very few wars where you can definitively say, this was the right side to be on. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you find yourself 
it's not simply going, I need a battle from 1897. It's like, oh, I have a list of like 17 things it could be. I have to research these to answer in canon, which side did they fight on? What were they doing there? Right? right? So, for instance, um, in one of the initial passes, uh, you could see Nikki and... Andy and Joe in the crowd uh, for MLK's uh, I Have a Dream speech, you know, this, mm-hmm. the, the speech on the mall. And I kind of flagged it, and I was like, I don't think we want to use that. Because the implication there is that they were tied so closely with King, they failed to protect him when he was assassinated. Right. Right? And, I mean, this is sort of the stuff you start thinking about. So, you know, Gina... Uh, you know, Gino's like, well, how about Selma? I was like, that's perfect. Like, they absolutely would have marched this Selma. You know what I mean? So it is trying to find this very weird place where, in some cases, there is a moral high ground that you know they would have taken. And in other places, it's like they thought they were doing the right thing. They were just trying to minimize the damage. Right. You know? so. that, that would almost be like if there was, a you know, an image of them – you know, in, in Vietnam during that conflict. Yeah. What side it's, do you put them on? I mean, the Americans were like, well, clearly they're on our side. I'm like, well, would they be? Yeah. It's like, well, maybe <laughs> sure. they're just trying to make sure people aren't dying. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? Um, so it, it is, it's interesting. Um, um, yeah. To that end a little bit, kind of a, you know, kind of a extra nerdy question, especially for this show. Has, wait, wait, wait. This is wait, this question is even more nerdy than the has standard there, nerdy of this yeah. show. Has there ever been a desire either just for fun in your head or a suggestion at one time with the Netflix studio that it's clearly doing well? I think we're going to get to part two. Um, but has there ever been, even in your own head, just every once in a while or maybe chatting with uh, Leandro of like, hey, what if we did, we did an entire little flashback miniseries? So the old guard and we place it in uh, here. I, I have fun. I have thought about it, but the it, it, I I'm not sure it would work as a comic. <clears throat> I think if if some bright boy at Netflix says, "Hey, you know what we could do is we could do a bunch of like eight minute or fifteen minute or thirty minute, you know, the old guard in you know Eureka in eighteen forty five. Sure, you know, yeah. you can do that. And and those would be fun, but I think trying to sustain that as as a, a, a mini, um, you know, certain outcomes it kills the jeopardy. Sure, right? You are riding more the novelty and the glee of going. Oh, we get to now be in this moment, you know, yeah. in, in in that quantum leapy way. Yeah. Oh, um, we, get, <laughs> we get we get to we get to put her in the Battle of Trafalgar. That's gonna yeah. be fun. We've never yeah. seen her on a boat yet. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. If you if you focus on the the essentially flashback periods, it's it's not the same story anymore. Now it's like a almost almost a time traveling or like a period piece. Yeah. Which this yep. is not meant to be. But I I do want to point out that I was actually really disappointed at how. Uh, how fewer uh, number of flashbacks there were in the film because That's I think budget. that yeah, and they <laughs> add so much context to the yeah. characters, so it was that was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, I will say that, um, and you're speaking clearly as somebody who knows the graphic novel. 
Um, one of the things that I've found interesting is that apparently some of the social media response has been, I would have liked to have seen more flashbacks. And one of the things we have been talking about in the eventuality of there being a sequel is actually being able to do, being able to show some of these things, being able to show, you know, that like when I wrote the screenplay, you got to see Booker's death. When I wrote the screenplay, you got to see Nikki and Joe meeting. Um, those, those had been written and were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really only Andy who didn't have a lot of flashbacks. Um, and then, you know, because of the needs of the production and the needs of budget, it was like, well, we're going to have to remove these things. And I'll, and I'll say that the, the brief Booker one that you see um, almost didn't make it. Um, and I guess this is, this is, this is a, a preview for those here. There's going to be a new social media released asset tomorrow. Um, and it's really, it's a cool little sort of featurette and you'll see some more, uh, material that didn't make the movie in it. There's more stuff with Quinn and Lycon in that. Um, Oh, interesting. But yeah, there was a lot more Quinn and Lycon stuff that had been shot and just, just didn't make the cut. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't, you said like that, just that brief Booker, uh, flashback and he has a couple pages to share, uh, his sort of origin yeah. story, so to speak. Um, well, that's exciting. Uh, do you can you say what social media outlet that's going to be on? Um, well, I suspect it's going to drop on all of them <laughs> because it is Netflix. So if you are near a device that gets the Facebooking or the tweeting or the Instagramming uh, or the tumbling or whatever, I suspect you're gonna. You're gonna. It'll be out by by midday tomorrow, I believe. Okay. Um, and it's fun. It's a fun little bit. Um, and it and and one of the things I like about it is the um, it has an artifact feel to it, in the mm-hmm. same way that the sociogram places it in the real world, right? You know, oh, these things really happened. Look at these people in these moments. Um, this this is a fun little thing. Uh, so I, w- I was really tickled to get the to get to be even a small part of it. The marketing stuff and, uh, you know, have the, the people on the marketing have just done a tremendous job. And I am very impressed given again, you know, the moment we're in, there are a lot of ways you can have misstepped um, and, and, and put out the wrong thing at the wrong time or said the wrong thing at the wrong time, really turned people off. And I think that I, I've been very impressed with how responsible Netflix has been about this. Honestly, I don't. I, think it, uh, I don't think I follow Netflix on Instagram, and I still saw sponsored ads for the old guard that were not just reposts from your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing a good job. They were definitely finding their target market and, and sending stuff to it. Very cool. I would have just go ahead, Bean. Oh, so I would have said that. Like, it, I'm sure it helps that like the core content is of such a of a quality of a nature that it's hard to misstep. Like, you'd have to go out of your way to do or something that might accidentally <laughs> even be offensive or, or right, just insensitive. But, 
if right. if it's we not are talking about it. Hollywood, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like you know the 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 ability to 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 trip over one's feet um, is uh, is is well documented. But yeah, I, you know, I've been. You know, we we all hear all the Hollywood horror stories, and God knows I have Hollywood horror stories. I don't have any about this. Good. You know, I mean, there's just everybody involved in this has been tremendous. And I think, honestly, and that's not to say it's been smooth. It hasn't. There have been arguments. There's been conflict, you know. I mean, do we do this? Is this better? Is this the right cut? Is this the right song? Is this, you know... uh, all of these things have been engaged and fought over. And, and I mean fought over because people believe passionately about what they think works. But the thing that has been uh, genuinely remarkable and perhaps even more remarkable given the nature of Hollywood is that the arguments have always been about making the work the best the work can be. They, mm-hmm. they, they have been, um, they have been remarkably devoid of ego, at least as far as I've been aware. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's a remarkable thing. So, yeah. I also really noticed, and this was pretty refreshing as someone who enjoys creating and reading comics that, Netflix really turned into the fact that this was a comic book first. Yeah. In, in more than just saying based on the graphic novel. And a lot of times it'd be based on the image comics novel or, you know, uh, the other problem that happens a lot is based on the novel by Greg Rucka and they wouldn't bring up Leandro. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Netflix did it, but as a rule, yeah, studios, yeah. studios yeah. bring up the writer, never the artist. Yeah. And, and Leandro has been, yeah, Leandro has been present throughout this. Um, They've never pretended that there wasn't a comic. Um, and I, I am, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the only detriment I think that comes out of that is that for a large portion of the audience that is not us, right? Is not the, the, not us geeks here in this city. Sure. Um, comic means superhero. And so it was being called a superhero movie. Right. Right. And I think, I, I personally don't think it is. No. And I think for people who didn't know the material, some of them, if they came to it expecting a superhero movie, might well have been disappointed because, you know, nobody was in costume flying around punching anybody. Right. Um, I mean, it's superhero in that they can't die, I guess. But that Right, but I don't... But see, I don't think that that makes it superhero. No, no, I it think, doesn't. I think that makes it fantasy. I think it makes it fairy tale, and that's what this has always been. I mean, you know, I'm wearing the damn shirt, and on the back it says, this is a fairy tale of blood and bullets, you know? <laughs> and and that has always been what we've called it. And... um. And you and I can't even you know I can't lay that on Netflix. That's that's on a popular culture that has been educated, in particular by movies from Disney Marvel, but also from movies from you know Warner Brother DC and sure. to go you know oh comic then superhero. Yeah, I think God, it's been over like a decade. I think since Cable Cable's the first person I remember saying this publicly saying. Comics are a format, not a genre. So mm-hmm. quit doing that. You know. I, yep. I, I like to remind people that, like, when they see we're a medium. 
They're a medium, mm-hmm. yeah. Like when you see like Road to Perdition or Ghost World, those are comic book movies. You got right? it. <laughs> so, you know, you know, it's one of the most flexible mediums in terms of storytelling out there. So Yeah. yeah. Probably why I enjoy it so much. <laughs> it is one of the reasons why comics are wonderful. You can do yeah. almost anything with them. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to double back real quick. Um was there a lot of a lot of back and forth or you know and if you feel free to not uh divulge uh if you don't feel comfortable but uh even contention with you know like the the screenplay that you wanted to put down versus what Netflix wanted and you know versus what the final no. copy was No no I mean so I've said this a couple other places um you you always hear you know, oh, they, they went back and they did reshoots or they, they were doing rewrites on the set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's ever engaged in any creative endeavor knows that you are tweaking and tightening and polishing and revising and all the way up into the last possible moment. Mm-hmm. That is the nature of creating anything right? Especially anything artistic, anything that's going to be subjective, you are constantly at work on it. So, you know, there were, there, there were times in particular on set where it was like, well, the situation has changed here. We have to do this a different way. How can we make this work? How are we going to rewrite this to make it work? Um, you know, this is asking, you know, this is, you know, Charlize was very good about, you know, um, looking at the script and being like, I don't need this. I need this. Right. And I could go back and be like, okay, well then we can cut these lines and I can put that into this line. Just a sentence here. Does that work? And, and that's not to me contentious, right? That's even when somebody says, no, that doesn't work. That's not, that's not being contentious. That's, that's part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's the nature of the collaboration. So I never really felt um certainly once once I was on the production that it was it, it just wasn't ever adversarial. Right. I guess a better way of putting it would be like do you feel like the the final product is the story you wanted to tell or oh, do absolutely. you feel like you compromised a lot of things? No. No, 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 no. And 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 Absolutely, I laid that on Gina more than anybody else because, you know, the director's privilege is when they come onto a property, you know, there's a reason writers get fired. We are, we are, we are socks. <laughs> and then they go, you know, I, I have a friend who's a screenwriter. I'm going to hire them to rewrite this the way I wanted. I like you their know, socks for, on me. The moment Gina and I met, I mean, she had the graphic novel. The first words out of her mouth after, hi, nice to meet you, I love this, was, why is this not in the screenplay? Why is this not in the screenplay? Um, And on multiple occasions, you know, and and she's made no secret about it, it it mattered to her, her to preserve, as she put it, the heart and soul of the material. And I think for Charlize as well, because my understanding is that there was a script, but she, she encountered the graphic novel before reading the script. And for her, that was very much the same thing as well. It was, it was, 
this core we want to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm look, I am a, right now I'm a unicorn. You know, right now I'm a unicorn. They, they, they I made. Heard you mentioned that on uh, the Fat Man Beyond when Mark Bernardin was asking you. I was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I know. I know this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it certainly doesn't happen to the guy who wrote the source material and then did the adaptation. Right. Right. I mean, this is. Um, yeah, you know, this this is 25 years of, of, of hard work paying off, I guess, or, you know, we're, well, closer to 30, right? You know, this is maybe the dues, maybe it's luck, maybe it was the right place, right time, maybe it's all of it, but, um, right yeah. Right collaborative I, team? I, I have, it is a genuine privilege to be able to say, I am proud of this movie and really mean it. It's not going out there and being like, yeah, Netflix, yay. This is like, <laughs> people don't have to like it. If people don't like it, that's absolutely, you know, I'm not going to argue with them about it. But I get to look at it and and with a full voice say, I am proud of this movie that I helped make. Right. Um, I think it is good and I think it is worthy. And I actually think it is not only good and worthy, I think it's better than a lot of other stuff out there. Um, it is. There's actually, uh, I don't think it was an official Netflix poll, but it was something that was Netflix adjacent, I guess. <laughs> and it was, which is your favorite, you know, original Netflix action film right now? And it was Extraction and The Old Guard. Mm-hmm. And Extraction had its moments, um, most of which because, you know, Chris Hemsworth is just... Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. He's Chris Hemsworth, and when he's on screen, even when he's being brooding, you're like, oh, look at Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, it's Thor's brooding. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, not to add on more and more, but like the old garbage is blowing it out of the water. Yeah. And Extraction was fun. Um, yeah. But, you know, the old, the old guard has in between a lot of just fantastic action pieces that are just a joy on a visceral level to watch. There's a lot of legitimate heart and humanity there. Um, A sense of believability, considering it's about immortal characters. Well, I was going to say, if you can essentially make Big Pharma the the bad guy in your story and not have it come off as hokey or, I don't know, like a stereotype, a cliche, if you can sell it and actually give it a sinister vibe, good job. Good fucking job. Big Pharma. It's kind of low hanging. It's, yeah. it's a little bit low hanging fruit. <laughs> a little bit. But it, I think that that means that it's also really easy to do a bad job of it. Like it's yeah. because it's low hanging fruit. You maybe don't try as hard. But yeah. no, you you made a, a believable and sinister villain out of something that could have just been a trope. Thank you. I, well, yeah, I what thought you that say? the the casting of Harry Melling <laughs> um, as I, the head of the pharmaceutical company um, was particularly ingenious yeah because it it played on the what he's done previously and then he played the role in such a way that's like oh no i i believe you 100 percent. i actually want to watch more things with him now it's like yeah i'm he's fantastic have you seen him have you seen him in uh was ballad of uh buster 
Buster Scrubs? I have not. Yeah, he, that? yeah he's in he's Good in one of the episodes and just is phenomenal. He is really wonderful. He's also just so sweet. I like giving people who played villains in movies more like like I like following what they're doing in their career more. Uh-huh. They right. get shit on because fans have a hard time separating the actor from the part. Yes. Uh, especially when they were kid actors and it's a giant ginormous um yeah. thing. Um, and he was he was definitely he played a character that was a foil to the lead character that everybody loves. So. Yeah. I, I I will say I work, yeah, I mean this will be some spoilery territory, but um the scene when Merrick is fucking holding Andy's axe, first off, he's holding it all wrong. He's yeah. heavy for him. He can't wield it. I, I mean, I knew he was going to die. I didn't think he was going to die. You know, but when he's on the top of that fucking staircase, uh, Max, right. I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that's going to end up in your head, and I can't wait. For- <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, like, looking at your mercenaries down there, and you're like, I'm going to join my men. You piece of shit. But no, but at the same wait. time, he's saying, like, how many more guys are coming? Yeah, he's, right. he still doesn't feel ready, even with, like, the, mo- the sickest weapon in the room. It was funny, mm-hmm. like, just for, like, all the other horrible things he does in that movie, my brain was like, how dare you touch that way? <laughs> <laughs> you garbage human. You do not deserve that. You are unworthy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's a Thrawn holding uh, the artifact of Harris and Dula. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you yeah. Put that down right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, tell me more about this. No, I'm no. going to just take it from you. And yeah. You're never going to know anything about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> New. So. Uh, a question from the chat. And again, yeah. you may know, you may not know, and you may or may not be allowed to discuss it, but yes. do you feel like because this was such a success, both in terms of like, you know, ranking and popularity, as well as like the experience being so positive as a whole, do you feel like a, a sequel would be a bigger challenge? Um, I If, if I th- if I am understanding the question that the challenge of look, a- a- anytime you have something that is apparently as well received as, as this is being received, you automatically have expectations. If you say there is going to be a second and, um, and you would be foolish not to acknowledge the expectations of a second, Right that you certainly don't want to do anything that tarnishes the memory of the thing that made people want the second in the first place. Um, Where I am right now, I know what the second is. Um, I know where it draws from the source material. And more importantly, I know where it diverges and it diverges much more uh, than the first one ever did. Um. And I'm kind of excited about the potential opportunity to write it. Uh, As we've been saying, it's a collaborative process. So what it may ultimately look like versus what I imagine it looking like are going to be two different things. There's just no way they're not. Um, But if we have half of the 
you know, half of the creative force behind uh, a second one as we did uh, in the first, I, I, I actually am not terribly worried. Um, you know, I think anytime you make a sequel to anything, there is an element of uh, we want the same thing again, but more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, and in some cases it works. Wick one to Wick two is a great sequel progression. Not um, two to three. Well, and then you get into the problem of two <laughs> to three. Yeah. And the problem of two to three is that they forgot what they were. They forgot their story. Yeah. And they fell in love with their mythology. And they, and, and, and look, the reason I think people are responding to the old guard is that all of the trappings on it um, are really cool when people dig them. And that's awesome. That's why they're there. But the heart of that story has merit. And it, when you exchange your heart for more sizzle, um, you can't eat sizzle. You know, you, you have to cook some steak. So I, uh, my, my biggest concern would be fighting um, the, the, the urge to, to turn too much into it. So, for instance, you know, Denise was saying, I would have liked to see flashbacks. I want flashbacks in a second. I want to be able to show some of the stuff we couldn't show. But I we're going to have to pick and choose those very carefully because, because the story isn't taking place in the past. The story is going to be taking place in the moment of the story. So I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm aware of the pitfalls there, but I'm actually, I'm not intimidated at all by it. More fool me, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and considering how the, first one ends there is definitely ample opportunity oh you think flashbacks just a little bit (laughs) yeah i don't want to i guess spoiler alert if people are listening to this and they haven't turned it off yet to go watch it i think they're kind of in for it yeah like they've had abundant opportunities to be like maybe i should see the movie first maybe maybe, (laughs) yeah they don't have the excuse of well i couldn't get out this weekend like yeah nobody could get out this weekend that's (laughs) true yeah there's Uh, no reason you could not well i don't i don't want to like attack people's personal timelines yeah, people, um, I, I just will say that yes, we I, I have referred in many an interview as uh that 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 button scene is referred to in case of sequel break glass. Um right. and Jen didn't realize how precise I was until we were watching it uh I think that night it dropped, like at two thirty in the morning. And when that sequence begins, the first thing that happens is Booker drops the bottle and it shatters. So it is quite literally, in key, case of sequel, break glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Very subtle. But so you you talk about diverging from the original story, and you talk about how you already yeah. know what that sequel would be. Yeah. Um, but what what was the impetus for uh, the, the major change with Andy's arc? Um, we have to decide whether or not we were going to just say we're spoiling or not because otherwise we can't have the conversation we're just talking Uh, around it you know what if you're listening to the show right now and you haven't watched the old guard you've got three seconds three two one welcome to spoiler territory (laughs) you are (laughs) we will like doing 
We will spoil every movie before it's time. I feel like doing the alias thing. You have five minutes to reach minimal safe distance. Safe distance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Andy losing her immortality makes her conflict manifest in a way that the well, number one, if I had thought of it when I was doing the comic, I'd have done it in the comic. I didn't think of it. All right. Um, number. So that that's the first thing. The second is that it takes what the character is struggling with and it literally makes it, it manifest. She is now literally having to confront it. And then it does. It solves one of the problems you have when you have a story about people who can't die. Um, which is your jeopardy is somewhat limited. Right. Because you're not really worried they're going to die. Because even though we know they can, it would be incredibly dissatisfying if, oh, Booker got shot and, oh, I guess that did it. He's not getting up again, right? If Booker doesn't come back in the rectory scene, right, if he really is in the chair dead, then it's not much of an immortality. Right? The tension, you don't watch that sequence going, oh my God, he's really gone. You're watching that sequence watching Andy having to deal with the fact that, oh my God, you've left, you son of a bitch. Yeah, this could be your time. Right. Lost another soldier. But when he comes back, the audience doesn't go, oh, thank goodness. The audience goes, it's about time. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, that scene's really kind of gross. Like, I'm usually (laughs) not messed up with gore, but. Whoever did the effects and the sound effects on there, like there's some sound in that one little scene. I was like, that well, one. Um, it well could have been worse. Me. They could have stuck with the headshot. Yeah, true. Yeah, just I mean, nicely they, done. They, they, they look. I, I, I think the Foley's or the SFX for that. The the one that gets me is Nile at the end. Mm. Just, <laughs> just the bones popping back into place, <laughs> oh, yeah. and the cracking of the cartilage, and the, exactly that one hand. And also, that's the, really good video effects. That usually looks really shitty. Yeah, no, you watch that, and you're like, oh, 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 <laughs> wow, oh, yeah. no, oh, you can stop now. <laughs> stop it. Uh, Pull I, the camera I like away. the plane fight where her elbow goes back. Yeah, the, her, the, her bone goes back into her arm. Yeah, the open fracture becomes a closed one, and you're like, oi. So, yeah. Uh, um, another one, another divergence that I was r- really curious about was uh, essentially the, the end of Merrick. Yeah. Uh, and I assume the change is simply because there's not, it's a little anticlimactic for the scene, for, for film, yeah. for film. Well, and we had actually done different versions of it. Um, and there was not shot, but written. Um, and honestly, It wasn't dramatic enough. You wanted a moment where the audience would be like, yeah! Um, and it is a yeah moment when, because you get to do the whole with them. So you know how this is going to end. And there is, I think, that visceral glee of being like, oh, she's going to walk away from this one. You know, and he's not. <laughs> um, but I had done a version where... Uh, where Andy, um, where he is fleeing and they actually box him. Mm. Like he can't get away. And he sort of gets, you know, finds himself, you know, in an alley. And there's Andy. 
And she says, uh, 6,738. And he says, what? And then she kills him. Um, and as much as I like the line, uh, it wasn't the right one. You know, it was it, the, 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 the end of Merrick that we get is much, it's much better cinematically. And also, I mean, look, you know, from a writing standpoint, the movie is flawed in the sense that it has three endings. I mean, the movie literally ends three times, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> most stories, when they do that, not a good job. <laughs> but only, only Return of the King gets away with it. But it works here because each ending is ending a specific element of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a version of the movie that ends with them simply getting in the car and driving away, right? It becomes a different movie when the next scene you get is now we have to deal with Booker. Mm-hmm. Because that changes what the movie is about, Right. It, it, all of a sudden, it's it, it was never about Merrick. It was always about the relationships here between these people, mm-hmm. and then that proceeds into the Copley scene of the the restoration, if not of faith, of of, of a sense of purpose and meaning, um, which is the resolution of the Andy crisis. Um, so, I mean, and all of them are there, but I remember doing that and being, and literally giving it to Skydance and being like, guys, there are three endings here. One of them's got to go. <laughs> um, and they're like, nope, need all three. Need all three. And it actually, I don't think, and, and, and the thing that I think is, is, is interesting about it, and I may not, no, I'm not, I'm not the best judge on this, but to me, it doesn't drag. You don't hit Merrick's death and then start going, when is this thing over? No. You know, you, you, you want to stay with them. Um, you want so. the resolutions to the other arcs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just because they've quote killed the big bad doesn't mean the story of this moment is over. Um, and, and, and I think that that's effective in part because the story is not about the big bad. No. Um, you know, he's, he, it's not about him. It's just I not. Know. I did think that were this a theatrical release, the uh, the final bit with uh, Booker, that would have been a post credit scene. Yes, yeah, they'd, they'd have moved it there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, without question. <laughs> and and the reason it, it's written as a post credit scene, okay. and the reason it plays the way it does, and there were discussions about it, right? It's because Netflix, you can't do a post credit scene on Netflix. You finish watching something and it immediately goes into the small box. I mean, you yeah. can, but it would be—they'd have to make it the first time Netflix didn't do that. And people would be like, "What's going exactly. on?" Exactly. So, or you have to be like what we did and select. No, I don't want a preview of the next thing. I want to watch. Yeah, the I, I am exactly. Um, and then you get rewarded for doing that. Yes, but 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 that's the way Netflix works. So it was. I mean, and I actually kind of like the the solution because it wasn't me. That was Gina, and that was uh, I believe, I believe it was Gina and and Terry, uh, and, and Terry was the editor on the film who came up with the dot dot dot. Um, that was the, good. the ellipsis, and I yeah. dug that the first time I got to see that. I was like, oh, that's nicely done. I right. like that. So, yeah. 
Well, before we continue our conversation with Greg about the Old Guard, this is a great time to pop on in and thank our sponsors. Uh, first up is Bridge City Comics. Uh, I was also I was actually kind of tempted to just insert Greg's video that he did for uh, for Bridge City Comics for thanking them for support supporting <laughs> supporting the old guard. Oh my God, the old guard. I should read more comics that way I can say words better gooder. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Bridge City Comics has been you know one of the Portland's one of Portland's greatest comic book shops, and that's that's definitely saying something. Uh, they have copies, uh, trades of the old guard. If you want to now dive into the source material and I highly recommend it. Um, issue five of volume two of the old guard force multiplied. I believe that dropped this week. Uh, they might have all the single issues there and you know, they have more than that. They have all the comics because they are a comic book shop. So check them out online at bridgecitycomics.com where you can order your books or have them picked up or shipped to you. Uh, and that way you can enjoy your comics in a completely safe environment. And when you do so, please give them a big old thanks for sponsoring this show and really for sponsoring comic books. Uh, next up, of course, we have Guardian Games. They have been with us the longest. And we are all definitely playing a lot of more games right now. And Guardian Games is there to help you out, to help facilitate your gaming needs. They are at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They are open for in-store shopping, but um, everyone must be masked, as everyone should be, both uh, ethically and legally by now. Uh, so you better be. Um, yeah, no matter what kind of game you're into, board games, card games, role-playing games, uh, they, they just got a whole selection of like solo dungeon crawls that are, they look like kind of giant choose-your-own-adventure books. You actually play four separate characters, but it allows you to just, you know, a solo adventure. Sometimes you can't get the gang together, you know, via via Zoom or Roll20 or whatever, and you, know, you just want to play a little bit, you know. They have these games now, so that's pretty cool. So find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, and when you're there and through your mask, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And finally, as has been the case for a few weeks now, we give a huge shout out to uh, Revnat, Revnat's Hard Cider, for hooking us up with some equipment so the shows sound crisp while we are all in separate places of the city recording this show. So uh, without his equipment, his microphones, and his tasty beverages, uh, the show wouldn't sound as good as it does. <laughs> so huge thanks to them. And with that, let's get back to our interview with Greg Rucka here on Geek in the City Radio. Wow, ended strong. Good job, Aaron. And and speaking of Booker's scenes and stuff, and we're gonna I'm gonna bounce around with my thoughts or whatever. Um, his initial betrayal, I you know I'm fucking furious. Yeah. But what's impressive is within that same scene, like two minutes later, I actually feel bad for him. Yeah. I get it. I get it almost immediately. And in my head, I'm like, would I have done that? And I can't answer yes or no on that. Yeah. Um, even more I, I so think once, that's they're what both, makes... once they're both strapped into the church, into the, the medical bay. Yeah. Well, and his first line when he gets in there is, I killed her. I, I've killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, um, it, is, it is genuinely gutting. I, I wonder when they have that conversation where they decide what happens to him. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end, you know, Niall 
wants to forgive him. I mean, there's even the line, you know, clearly Joe and Nikki are like, no. Uh, I kind of get the impression that Andy sides for them just to keep the peace, but like in her heart, she's like, no, I actually get why he did it. Oh, but, but, yeah. But, you know, but, but, he, but, but it has to be dealt with in, you, right, you can't because, mess up the ranks. I, I will tell you exactly the way that plays out is that awesome. Niall <laughs> is, you know, Niall wants to, he has learned his lesson. We need to, you need to forgive him. And Nikki is arguing for a certain amount of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There has to be a penalty. There has to. There has to be consequences and, for your actions. Right. Uh, and, otherwise, you but, don't, do you, we don't know that you really learned. But but I'm willing to be lenient. And Joe's like, screw that noise. He did wrong by us, and he's got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And Andy's the one who, because if all other things being equal, and as much as she loves all of them, she's also the unit leader. And at the end of the day, it's like, no, he, he's got to pay a price. It doesn't matter whether I want him to or not. Empirically, he broke, he broke faith with us. There has to be a punishment, and he has to pay it or else he can never come back in. Right? right? So, and what I find potentially interesting is that once the decision is made, it may not be the decision that Nikki wants, but he absolutely accepts that, no, you have to pay your penance now, mm-hmm. right? And I might have thought 20 years would have been fine, but it came out as 100, and that means 100 it is. Right. Um, and it is interesting to me that, you know, Joe is clear, you know, Joe and, and Booker are shouting at each other when they're in the lab, but it's... Booker is the last person looking or Joe is the last person looking back when they leave Booker. Yeah. Right. They start at the stairs and it's Booker and Joe have the match. They look back and, and there's a nod sort of between them. Like they have, they have achieved something like in accepting this punishment, they can be friends again. Right. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's why there has to be a punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, so. well, it's, that, it's that thing and like this happens in a, and it happens in a lot of military-based stories. It wasn't that you went your own way that the organization disagrees with. It's that you broke the chain of command. Yeah. You broke the implicit trust that has been set yeah, in we are soldiers for centuries. Yeah, and we have to be able to rely upon each other. And that's what Andy's responding to. We have to be able to rely upon one another. And you broke faith. Yeah, you, you did. You, you, you literally did not have people. our backs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't have your, our backs. So sorry, that's got to be paid for. There's a bill. So, so speaking of, we're gonna jump around again. We'll get back to the. Let's get back to the armored car scene. Yes. Well, um, we haven't talked about it yet. So yeah, let's no, talk you about know, the let's armored just, car. Let's scene. just jump right into it. Let's um, talk about Joe and Nikki in the armored car. Yeah, I know that you had mentioned in other interviews that you were adamant that that scene from the comic was never to be removed from the movie from the script which is which is great was there ever once from i can't imagine gina ever pushing back on this was there anything from the studio ever or was it just like no we are all in on this if the studio ever pushed back and never heard that the studio pushed back i will tell you two things and i find this funny um about the time it turned to the second draft one of the executives at skydance and I were having a conversation. I said, I'm surprised. 
I'm a little surprised you guys have never given me any notes about that. And the executive in question looked at me and he said, uh, honest to God, Greg, if that scene hadn't been in the screenplay, I would have wanted to know why and have demanded you put it back in. Wow. That was one of the things we were buying. And I said, well, that's great. I mean, I knew I liked you guys. That's so, really good to hear, actually. Yeah, well, so here's, here's the funny part about that. So you get to a point in the production, right? Gina has done the edits. We're now, you know, I've, I've gotten to come down and watch the edit. We're talking about what, what to cut, how to improve it, how to, you know, you're trying to get it down to a certain runtime. The same executive, we're sitting in an office after having watched the cut, and he sits there and he says, I'm getting a little concerned. I think maybe we have to talk about losing that scene. Because it's not... I mean, if the movie's about Andy and Niall, here's the scene that's not. And I just remember looking at him and being like, good luck with that. And that was as far as it happened. Yeah, right? right. <laughs> there was never a serious discussion about it. It was quite literally him doing his job and looking at this work and going, you know, is it everything? Is it doing what it needs to do? And you got to be able to ask the question, right? You right. have to be able to ask the question. He he wasn't asking the question going, ha, ah, here's my chance to get the scene I hate out. It was right. quite literally like, is this serving the movie? And clearly the final answer was absolutely. It absolutely <laughs> serves the movie. Yeah. Um. It is a fair question to ask. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really funny that, you know, the same guy who told me, no, God damn it, this needs to be there, was also the guy who could say, we, we really need to ask if it is the right choice. Right. But he wasn't coming me. at it from like a personal no. thing. It was a no, truly it, production question. Yeah. It, it had nothing to do with the politics or fear of controversy or anything like that. It was simply going is this a two minute sequence that hurts us rather than helps us? Sure. There's yeah. a, there's a moment in that sequence That's um, at, at the end after, um, after Nikki and Joe kiss after that moment. Yeah. The that, beat before the, beat. the and <laughs> before all though, the toxic males go like, we have no idea how to respond to this. Right. But there's actually, but there's one of them that I actually had this weird moment. I'm watching this. Yeah. And yeah, all these completely horrible toxic males, but there's one of them that goes. Yeah. Like, like for a split second, I thought, Oh, you know what? They got through to one of them. Yeah, that's right. Like one mm-hmm. of them went, for his all his bravado, and it was probably this actor. He maybe he read into. I don't, but for that one moment, this one guy went like, "Oh shit, that's kind of pretty." I kinda yeah, feel, I, I, I kind of. I wish like somebody would say that about me. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I want everyone to be able to hear that at least once in their life. That's yeah. one of the most fucking beautiful lines of dialogue ever. But I am very very fond of the way Marwan delivers just the start of it, which is, you know, you're a child, oh, an infant. God. And your mocking is thus infantile. And I just, at that point, you just kind of want to sort of sit up and be like, oh, oh, here it comes. I don't know what's coming, but here it comes. Yeah. When he's, yeah, I found out, I found out yesterday, my friend Nunzio, my old, old, dear, dear, dear friend Nunzio, tells me that in the screenplay, when Joe is trying to wake up Nikki, the script read, you know, Joe, 
parens, medieval Italian clothes parens, you know, mm-hmm. Niccolo wake up. My understanding, what Nunz tells me is, and apparently like the Italian audience loves this, is that Marwan was using an archaic Italian term for wake up. He was a, effectively, instead of saying wake up, it would be the equivalent of saying awaken. So he was using an Italian construction that apparently is not commonly used anymore at all. It's like 200 years old. And I love that that was Marwan and Luca deciding that that was how it was going to go. Right. This wasn't all the lines. These were the lines in the script, medieval Italian. We didn't go ask somebody now. Can you translate this? Right. Right? Um, They came up with that. If I didn't think that they were two actors doing a role perfectly, I would think they are together. They and, and were, not just the fact that they both look sexy together. They just they look so <laughs> comfortable around but, each but other. But that but that's because they love each other. Yeah. I mean and, 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 and I'm not and I don't mean Joe and Nikki. Luca and Marwan had no daylight between them on set. Wow. Like I have a photo that Leandro took at Shepperton outside of the soundstage that was being used to shoot the interior of the armored car and the interior of the freight car. And I believe also the interior of the mine were all in this one soundstage and it's in between setups and they're both in their costumes. They're just kicking a soccer ball back and forth. They, they, as, mean, as Europeans do. They, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and talk about, you, you never feel more like an ugly American than, when you're standing in your multinational cast going, ha ha, I speak England and English and, and your, um, and, and your co-creator and collaborator and artist, uh, is conversing with, uh, you in English, Marwan and Luca, uh, in Italian, uh, and then, you know, whoever, and, and Matthias in Portuguese. Um, and I'm like, is he Spanish or Portuguese, Leandro? He's Leandro. Leandro lives in Argentina, so okay. But but he lived in Barcelona for a while, and I mean, I'm sure he's got about seven languages. And I'm sitting here going, I know a little French. (laughs) No, a little by in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I know a little French, but yeah, I mean, like Luca and Marwan, you know, they, you know, they were. They they hung out. They you know they each I think one of them was staying in a hotel. One of them had an apartment. They would get together for dinner and then they would stay up drinking and then they would, <laughs> so you know. And when I met Marwan, the he was sending during production. He would send pieces of poetry that he had been reading. Like I would get an email from him saying, "Oh, I found this poem and I think this is really a beautiful poem for Joe and Nikki." And oh my god, I, I mean, can't take it, Greg. Stop. No, That's they, so romantic. They, there was no, there was no hesitation, and you know, no squeamishness, and none of this. I mean, they, they, they played these guys in love, and that was it. And they liked each other and liked playing these guys in love. And there's two other scenes that really sell it. I nice. mean, one of it is the dinner table. All, hmm. <laughs> The dinner table. Uh, that's the the Malta. 
no, no, no. Malta happens in the, when Malta's they're the stuck lab. to those beds. Malta's the lab. They say, this reminds me of Malta. And he goes, what time? And he goes, he just smiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that time in Malta. <laughs> no, for me, it's the moment when they're in bed together. And I think it is, um, I want to say it's Nikki who's clearly having a little nightmare. It's a quick little moment. Well, when and, it's, they, and it's just a, it's just he just holds him a little bit longer as he's kind of yeah. quivering from a nightmare. And yeah. That that really that hit me really hard. Yeah, no, they the, the 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 benefit obviously of them embracing the parts the way they did and um and genuinely loving each other's company mm-hmm. is that I think you see them interacting like people who know each other really well mm-hmm. and really intimately and really comfortably. That's uh, why I like that dinner table scene because it's just a, it's just a quick moment, but they're, they're talking as a group, but yeah. they're communicating to each other silently from across the table. And yeah. it's, it's so real and so, so natural, you know, it just, it really sells them like as yeah. a, as a pretty early point in the movie. Yeah, no, it's, and, and, Excuse me, and you see it, you see it in their performance pretty early. Yeah. Um, if 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 you have your your gaydar at all switched on, you can, <laughs> it. you can see the attraction between these two men. So you know how many tweets that I've seen that from from the gay community is like, oh my god, we have an action movie. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, and the fan art—the fan art that you've been sharing. How uh-huh. many? How many of them promptly feature? Yeah. Nico and oh my god, now I'm blanking on this. One. Yeah, Nikki and Joe were were uh, were obviously fan art favorites. The, um, the kissing, sword stabbing. The sword yes. Killing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good. That one. feels awesome. like a tarot deck waiting to happen. <laughs> oh my god, Bean. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I want a tarot card of the and lovers. The, 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 the tarot of the old guard. So oh, it's gonna happen now that you've said it. Well, hopefully, uh hopefully I'll see some of that. Somebody already red bubbled some stuff. It was like, come on, That's guys. Funny. Yay, internet. Yeah. Wait, what's yeah. red bubbling? Uh you can put up your it's one of those sites where you can put up your designs and sell it, and you know, it doesn't matter that it's a trademark thing. Yeah. Oh, because they they drop away you make, for hours. Yeah. You make money off of other people's IP, yeah. right? Right, but that's how you know you've made it, Greg, because other people yeah, are profiting off of it. There you go. Yeah. In case you weren't sure before. Charming. Uh, <laughs> what a jump over to uh, Kiki Lane as as Nile. Uh-huh. Um, her, I I, I really enjoy. Um, watching her her growth um it's really powerful and it was uh it, there's a scene she has and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bring up too much uh you know real life but we had a small fourth of july gathering and uh some of our friends are are, are veterans and one of our friends uh we, they were talking about fears and one of our one of my dear friends said you know my biggest fear was that one day i would take a life they drill it into you to be good with it. And he's like, I'm never going to be good with it. I don't think yeah. I ever would have been good with it. And he said, he's like, I never did. He says, but that was my greatest fear. And then 24 hours later or whatever, I'm watching the old guard. And that's the first thing Niall says is she's like, I can't, yeah. you know, they, they drill it into you. But when it happens, I fucking hate it. I can't do it. Don't ask yeah. me to do it ever again. 
yeah. And watching her evolution, I felt was really powerful and was very honest. So how much, of, I mean, where did that? A lot, the, uh, uh, that, a lot of that is Gina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Gina was very, uh, was very adamant uh, about being honest to that experience and about the uh, immense amount of work and the immense trauma that soldiers feel when they take a life and, and about there being this, and it's, and it's the wrong phrase to use that there is sort of a psychological sweet spot that you try to get to that places the act of killing in combat between murder and, and, and an inability to act. Um, and that the experience is universally traumatic and that if it isn't traumatic, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the studies that have gone on to say, you know, the, the, the Vietnam studies in particular that were something like 78% of all rounds fired, you know, were fired to miss. Oh my God. So, I just heard that. I just heard that stat. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that soldiers would actually try to fire above. They didn't mm-hmm. want to hit their targets. Um, and and it was very important to Gina to reflect that. Um, and I got to say, it, it, this is one of those things where you talk about, you know, again, going back to the collaboration, I was never 100% sure about it because my concern was always that if you spend too much time dwelling on what you are doing, you run the risk of taking the air out of the enjoyment. If if um, if Andy killing people in the church, you know the, all the soldiers who are coming after them. Uh, if we if the movie stops and says every one of these men had mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children and you know you are watching a very different movie. There's a reason why in the middle of the red circle sequence in John Wick. Nobody stops to go, oh, my God, I need to call my wife. Bang. <laughs> right? I mean, you right. don't. Because if you do that, you are forcing the audience to not enjoy it. Right. You are telling them, oh, no, no. We know you were having fun killing people. This is, there's an argument we made that this is one of the things people have been responding to in The Last of Us too. Oh, Jesus. I just started that game, damn it. I broke down. Uh, th- there is there's a sequence that you will get to mid roughly midway through, where the game tells you that you are looking at the bodies of this other thing, but when you see them, my first thought was, oh my god, I did that. Yeah, like literally, I am stacking bodies like cordwood now, um, and. There are places that it's worthwhile to interrogate that, and there are places where you absolutely do not want to. And I think it shows what a deft damn touch Gina has that she was able to thread that needle because it is a very, very delicate dance. Yeah. Um, It's way too easy for it to become pandering and parody if you acknowledge the death. Well, and, it, and and the flip side is it's really 
there's a reason why movies don't bring it up because it's a very hard thing to answer. If you bring it up, it's, it, I, this is going to be a bad example. Um, if you were going to have sexual assault in your story, your story is about the sexual assault. It is not backstory for a character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to interrogate what it means to take a life, really interrogate it, it kind of demands a story. That's the whole movie. Not a moment, right? right? So the ability to navigate it so that it is a, it is a through line for Niall's journey and one where Andy can address it. And I'm not sure Andy's response is satisfying. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think that Andy's answer to Niles' crisis is a satisfying answer. What I think is the satisfying answer is the one that Niall herself reaches. Right. And I think, and I think it is, um, and, and it is a moment that you, it, it's the moment with coffee before the elevator and then the elevator ride. Right. It, it isn't what Andy said to her as much as, her decisions in that moment to take this on and to acknowledge that this is in this moment, the only way to do this, this must be done. And I am the one to do it. Right. I, I I felt when Andy gave Niles the answer, it was half out of necessity, not out of true belief. Yeah. Um, Cause for as, you know, badass and jaded as Andy is, she's also, you know, she she's tired. There's there for as much fun as it was to watch her just murder a fuck ton of mercenaries in that church. Yeah, there was no pleasure in her face when she did it. No, and there's and there's a look on on Charlize's face when she completes the last lunge in that first sequence, and she is you know, and she knows I am looking into the eyes of a guy who does not quite yet know he's dead. Yeah, and her and expression. I've his family. Yeah, and and and. And her expression is, I'm not sure I would say traumatized, but it's fully cognizant of everything she has just done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for having millennia of yeah. killing and death, she still mm-hmm. feels every single one of them. Yeah. Oh, let's see here. I know there were more questions but they sort They've of all fly, gone quiet they fly by as uh, as the chat continues and we we'll get into these deep answers i was gonna say they they, they disappear in the sea of gifts <laughs> uh let me find one here excuse me oh here we go here's a question but it is it does start to go off topic now if that's okay if we're, if yes. we're ready for that um never go off topic uh question is uh has Queen and Country picked up steam with uh with the Scott Free Productions? Um nothing has picked up steam right now. Um my understanding was as of two weeks ago there were only eight productions active in the United States. Um Ridley Scott is filming or was filming in Ireland. Uh, when the pandemic shut down all production. So I am told that Queen and Country is the movie that he intends to shoot 
after he's finished the one that is currently stalled because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have nothing to do with it. Um, I did not write the screenplay. I am not involved in that production. Um, so your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I do know that uh, if it does happen, apparently it's going to be on Netflix. So apparently huh. that's where I live now. Well, you know, so far so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad place to live. No, that's not the worst place. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's definitely worse options. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know, but that's I, I don't have the insider knowledge to, to truly make that statement. So, um. Now, having been much more heavily involved in a film adaptation of something that you've worked on, do you do you feel like that's your preference, or do you think that you kind of would be more comfortable just kind of licensing out your works, but maybe being less involved involved in a film or somewhere in the middle? Um, it's it's middle. There are plenty of things that I'm more than happy to do. If somebody comes along and says, this would be a great TV show, uh, I'm perfectly happy to say, great, I'll take your check and have good luck with it. (laughs) Um, Having demonstrated to myself and to others that I can write in the medium and write reasonably competently in the medium, um, I feel better armed to say, no, you know what, this one, this one I want to be involved in, this one, this one I want to do the way I want. So, you know, Lazarus remains the the primary example of that. Um, I I don't want to see a Lazarus anything done without me. Um, I am perfectly happy to sit back on Stumptown or Black Magic because, you know, when those were optioned or went into production, my my discussion with my, my collaborators on it were pretty much universally, you know, this is, this is fine. It's going to be a different thing. Black magic, for instance, you know, when we were approached about an option, Nicola and I had a long talk about the fact that there is, you know, the story we were telling was not one that anybody could know until we were done telling it. So if somebody comes along and says, well, we want to make a TV series out of it. You say, okay, except you don't know what it is. (laughs) You've read three mm. issues. Yeah, mm. you think it's Witch Cop, and it's not Witch Cop. But if you, you know, and 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 if you guys think you can make a Witch Cop show, or if you see something there that'll work, then by by all means do it. You know, because Nick was very much like, I I don't mind. We're doing our thing. So if somebody has a thing that this inspires them to do, I'm more than happy to take a check and let them do it. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes, it becomes very project specific. It depends on what it is. Is it just that you think with Lazarus, because you have spent so much time in that world? I don't uh, think, yeah. Or is, it because, mean, or is it because some of so many of the themes in Lazarus are so connected to the world right now that it needs to be handled correctly? I don't think that it's less that. I mean, it's more that I know what that story is. I know things about the universe. Nobody else knows if you are going to, and and if you are going to do Lazarus, I want it done right. Lazarus is not a premise for a show. 
If you're going to do a Lazarus show, you are adapting what we have done and you're expanding on what we have done. You are not doing, it would be like doing Game of Thrones as, you know, as the springboard for Westeros and a Westeros show versus going, no, no, we are following the novels as far as we can. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to a point where we can't follow the novels, we will extrapolate out for better or for worse, but that's what we're going to do. Right. Right. Um, it, it, Lazarus is not a setting. You you option something like Stumptown, you're optioning the characters, not the stories. You're optioning the right to tell stories about a woman named Dexedrine Callisto Perios. That's what you're doing. Right. And and you are taking with that certain truths. She's a private eye, she's a walking trash fire, and other things. <laughs> so. And and I say this with like all love and respect. You're 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 buying an updated version of like the Rockford Files. Yes. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Which is which is great, fantastic, fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew what I made. So. Uh, Bex in the chat wants to know if you if there was an option of doing the old guard as a movie versus a series, and if not, would do you have a preference for what like what what, what could have been? I actually think it's really well suited to movie. Um, there was never any discussion that I was aware of that was like, ooh, maybe we could do it as a TV show. Um, Skydance acquired it with an intention of making a movie. Uh, Netflix came aboard with an intention of making a movie. Um, and in success, God knows what will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? There might be an old guard TV show in 10 years. Who can say? Um, well, if Skydance is this happy with you, if, if the, the fates are kind, you will get that fourth Trek script. That someday <laughs> and then I will whoa, grab whoa, onto your coat tails like no one has ever grabbed on before. <laughs> There's an errand stuck to me. <laughs> I just bring him his coffee and whiskey. I don't care. <laughs> we sh- we're, we're a ways away from that, buddy. But, <laughs> but it's nice to dream. Mm-hmm. Kate yes. Kane wants to know if you got to touch the axe. I got to carry it around. There were like something like four hero versions, and they were heavy. There were several stunt versions, and then there were multiple um, effects versions, and and also for the swords for for Nikki's sword and for uh, Joe's sword, where they basically build the weapon. And then do the blades at different lengths and cut them off and have tracking marks on them. So in a lot of the combat, what um, Charlize is actually swinging uh, is like this much laborous. Um, so that the rest of the laborous can be added digitally so she doesn't accidentally kill a stunt performer. Right, right. Um, I got the watcher filming the fight in the church. And uh, amongst the many things that one can say about Charlize Theron, uh, and you can say driven, disciplined, really whip smart. Um, and she is, uh, and, 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 you know, Academy Award winner Charlize Theron began her career as a model, mm-hmm. you know, she is six foot all the way, you know, with legs that are most of the way and, and, and willowy. 
and and of a type that you look at and from a distance you go, well, I mean, she's beautiful and she's clearly fit, but is she? Oh no, no, she can also snap you into like a twig, right? Um, <laughs> like she is, she is, she is amazing, and I adore her, um, and just so focused. And so disciplined. And to watch her do these things, and again and again and again, right? If you're a stunt performer, you only have to die, you know, takes you three takes, you get it, and then you're, it's Ed's turn to die. Long, you know, as, the, but, long as the camera angle was good. Right. With the but, you know, but Charlize is required to kill them in every shot. So, you know, it's, it's um, and that was, you know, you're in this church uh, in the middle of the English countryside at two in the morning because it's night sequence and it's summer, which means it didn't get dark until 1030 <laughs> and it's going to be dawn by 430. You know, the yeah. sun will be up at 430 and there is this woman who everything is, you know, if she can't go, it doesn't go. And she was always, always ready to go. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, I, it really I, is, my respect for her is enormous um in, in in much the same way my respect for Gina is enormous it's just to, you know to take on these things in acting and producing and directing and all of these things you are carrying so much for so many people um well there's it, also it is the, something else the pressure that was put on on Gina um whether it was implied or or not is that as a rule in Hollywood, any, you know, any person of color, but especially a woman doing a comic movie or an action movie, they basically have to knock out of the park every time or no one's going to give them a second chance, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if she, if she was ever working with that as a conscious concern, uh, she did a great job of masking it. Let's just say she just did the work and she yeah. did great work. She did the job. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Her her yeah. directing is just fantastic in that. Yeah, show. yep, absolutely. Um, to um, where I'm like, okay, I want her to. I mean, I want her to do more, regardless. But it's like, no, I want to see her do more action like that. Yeah, you know. Um, and I also remember watching it in terms of Charlize and thinking, oh look, you you're finally getting the action franchise you always wanted. <laughs> it didn't happen with Aeon Flux. Yeah, uh, it didn't happen with Atomic Blonde. It could have happened with Mad Max, but they're going for a prequel, and it's not going to be her. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. You know, and she was very. I don't know. If she, I don't that. know if she wants to work on that team again. Uh, I uh, think she uh, likes the character. Yeah, that was sure. a hard movie, from what I understand. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, I'm like, well, based on what I know about the experience that she had on Mad Max, uh, she is obviously a consummate professional. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, unquestionably so. Uh, I just, but but that's but that's a level of professionalism that was everywhere. I mean, it yeah. really was. It, it, you know, and when you're on the set for a feature film, you know, there are 150 odd people running around, everybody doing their job, everybody having to do their job in a timely fashion, precisely, expertly, and then move on to the next thing. And it breaks down if people don't. Right. And yeah, it's. I am just the logistical nightmare of making a movie. <laughs> you know, it, it it's almost incomprehensibly hard. So. 
I, I've worked on a couple of major features and a lot of independent short films, which is why to this day I stay for all the credits. No matter how shitty that movie might be, I know yeah. how much work went into that thing. Like, yeah. it's just, they're so hard to make. Like, yes. without question. Even the worst movie you ever saw was one of the most difficult times for somebody. Probably yeah. more so, to be honest. I, that is, that's exact. Like I say, I no longer ask, how could they make such a bad movie? I ask, how did they manage to make the movie at all? There is no reason a feature film should ever exist. <laughs> I mean, really, it is the most... It is the most absurd act of willing something into creation yeah. um, than you can imagine. There is no industry that tilts at windmills more than filmmaking. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just insane. You right. start out that way, but... Are, are you worried yeah. that you've been completely spoiled by this? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm ruined now. Right. And it's going and also it's going to change I'm gonna have ego about it now too. I'm gonna to walk around saying things like, Don't you know I wrote the old god? <laughs> There's gonna be I some mean, port- it's, You were due, you were due. You've been too <laughs> yes. fucking nice for so long, Grant. Exactly. I think yeah, I think it's your turn to just it was, it. <laughs> it was time to it was time to justify me being a prick. So we here should we now refer to you as Mrs. Ross from now on. <laughs> yes. And Thank PAs you. will carry signs that say "Do not look Mr. Rucka in the eye." Exactly. <laughs> I um, yeah. Uh, he likes a shot of Jura in his coffee every morning. <laughs> uh, don't mess it up. <laughs> I, trailer, I trailer full of purple teddy bears. Exactly, you know. exactly. And they must be. And that's not purple. That's lavender. Oh. <laughs> I meant purple. I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. Rucka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it has. It's absolutely spoiled me. It's absolutely spoiled me, and and I know how lucky I am. Um, and uh, and honestly, if this is the only one I get to be a part of, uh, it's a pretty good one to be able to say, "Well, I did it's that." Not bad. Yeah. It, not bad. There are worse things. There are there are far worse things. And when you think about it, man, when I sat down. And, and I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to wrap up soon. But I, oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I, you know, I sat down at this desk in this office, you know, and I wrote that first script, and it had been percolating, I guess, for a year, a year and a half in my in my head. And I think, I think Pop had just died. Um. Or it might have been just before he passed. And I remember just sitting down to write it and being like, I'm just going to write this and I'm just going to have fun with it. And I knew Leo was going to draw it. You know, he and I had been talking about it since 2014. Mm. And and I had had notes going back to 2013 and, and ideas going back to 1997, you know. Um, but I just wrote it, I wrote it to try to have fun with it. And it wasn't until I was most of the way through that I kind of realized this is what I'm really writing about. Like I keep trying to trick myself into, Oh, ha ha ha. It's goofy. Cause see, they can't die. It's like, it's like dropping Wiley Coyote into a Canyon over and over again. <laughs> um, they bounce, you know, and, 
and then realizing that no, I was I was trying to figure out why people had to die, you know, why why my dad had to die, and to then go from that to the book coming out in 2017 to the movie you know, being greenlit in late 2018 with Gina and then the casting and then, the, you know, they're shooting it in 2019. And this time last year, I think I had just gotten back from England. I think I'd been back from England for like a day or two. And here it is and it's out. Right. It's in the world. And all these people <clears throat> are seeing it and they're seeing it all around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, Netflix is in something like 130 countries, you know? I mean, that's crazy. It's got to be a good feeling. I mean, I guess it is. I'm trying not to look at it too closely. Like, I, I think I, I think I, I like, I texted you this. That's probably not going to help. Like, I remember I saw your, 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 your daughter's Instagram story. Like, yeah. It was just a picture of the movie poster. And she just wrote, my dad wrote this. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, like that one got me. And it's, you know, that one got me when I read that one out of all the posts seeing, seeing her. Do that. Well, I will say that I've been given the greatest credit I will ever get with my daughter. When, when Lin-Manuel Miranda tweets that he likes the <laughs> movie. She's a theater nerd. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And it's <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda. I freaked out. You know, well, he said his account is now an old guard Stan account. Stan account, yes. Yeah. Yep. I, we'll see. Words. We'll see if he sticks with it. But you know, who knows? He's going to need an action franchise someday. Okay, there you go. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe we got a place for him in the second one. Yeah. Okay. Just saying. A- action musical. Yeah. Why not? Oh man, that'd be fun. Actually, I'd watch, <laughs> I'd watch, I'd watch a well-crafted action musical. You bet it. Well, it there brings we a whole new, whole new level to rap battle. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know we do have Indeed. to wrap up here. Uh, anything coming on the horizon you can talk about that's coming out? Uh, Black Magic's back. Woohoo! Yay! Be dropping soon, and still trucking away on Lazarus and. You know, Justin and I are working on a new Stumptown that we're going to do actually as an OGN. I've got some other things that I'm working on, and there's some things in development, but I don't want to, I can't announce yet. Uh, There are at least two, if not three, separate comic book things that are that are on the rise, right. shall we say. So. And I know we talked about this before Old Guard came out, so we're going to have to make you like a monthly guest now. Oh, Yes. Uh, because before Old Guard came out, one of the things you promised you would do for us is after Old Guard come out, came out, and you I don't know why you decided on that day, you were going to talk about how you personally, if we're put in charge of DC, how you would fix DC Comics. I actually said that? You did. Look at Cable's smile. He remembers. Probably Maybe was going to be fixed. set fire to the building. But I mean... you, said, you said how I would, how I would change DC Comics. Yeah, I could I can do that, but we'll do that next time. Yeah, we'll next, do that no, next no time. time right now. Next time. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately, well, I mean, none of my solutions are easy. Right. Yeah. The best ones aren't. The good ever. ones aren't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's always great having you on. It is always great to be on, and you guys know that, and it's lovely to see you guys. Yeah. Even though, like Denise, never looks at us. So, what do you mean? I'm he looking runs at the you guys. No, you're always you're like you got to keep an eye on the screen so you're not looking at the camera. 
Oh, right? look, oh, look at you here. Yeah. I, no, no, so. I'm looking at your faces and I'm looking at the chat and I'm like Google, like, you know, lightning Googling so that I can have an informed response. Yeah, no, I mean, you are, you are, you are hard at work. I get we it. We do have one last question before we sign off and it was from. Oh, the all right. Norm from <laughs> Texas wants to know how he can be in part two. <laughs> he um, wants to be cast as an extra. Yeah. I, Even he I, has to get shot in the face. I can't answer that because I don't know anything about the production. Um, when we get closer to production time, Norm, I'll let you know. It needs a barbecue scene. That's, I mean, that's where Norm comes in. Okay. <laughs> I guess, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do a sequence in Texas. How about that? There you go, Norm. Works. Uh, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, guys, be, be safe and well and healthy and, and love your loved ones. Always, yeah. Will do. Uh, next week, we're going to have Joe Illich on. He's going to chat with us a little bit. You're going to yeah. have Joe on? We are going to mm-hmm. have Joe on, yeah. Joe is awesome. Joe's great. I'm so excited to talk with him. I love Joe. He was Joe. on Black Tribbles last week, so we're going to have him on next next week. It'll be cool. He, he is yeah. awesome. I yeah. love Joe. So, yeah. Yeah, Joe's Excellent. a good guy. Super give him, to have give him, him Give him great big virtual hugs from me. I will, of course. Right. Uh, and with that being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. I was and Greg. I, that's right. <laughs> and we will talk to everybody next week. Uh, Peace out. Yo. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, Ted Wheeler, you must resign. Mm. That's how we end the show now, by the way. I do not disagree. There you go. Good night, everybody.